chapter number 45 of Oliver Twists by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arthur Piantadosi. Chapter 45 Noah Claypole is employed by Fagin on a secret mission. The old man was up betimes next morning and waited impatiently for the appearance of his new associate, who, after a delay that seemed interminable, at length presented himself and commenced a voracious assault on the breakfast. Bolter, said Fagin, drawing up a chair and seating himself beside Morris Bolter. Well, where I am? returned Moya. What's the matter? Don't you ask me to do anything till I've done eating. That's a great fool in this place. You never get dorm and all your meals. You can talk as you eat, can't you? said Dagan, cursing his dear young friend's greediness to the very bottom of his heart. Oh, yes, I can talk. I get all better when I talk, said Noah, cutting a monstrous slice of bread. Where's Charlie? Oh, said Fagin. I sent her out this morning with the other young women because I wanted us to be alone. Oh, said Noah. I wish you'd all there to make some more toast first. Well, talk away. You ain't here on me. There seemed indeed no great fear of anything interrupting him as he evidently sat down with a determination to do a great deal of business. You did well yesterday, my dear, said Fagin. Beautiful. Six shillings and ninepence halfpenny on the very first day. The kitchen lay will be a fortune to you. Don't you forget your three port poles and a milk can, said Mr. Bowser. No, no, my dear. The pint pots were great strokes of genius, but a milk can was a perfect masterpiece. Pretty well, I think, for a beginner. Remarked Mr. Bowser complacently. Bullseye took all airy and ailings. The milk cow was sent by itself outside public house. Oh, I might get Ross here with the rain or catch cold, you know, eh? Ha ha ha! You get the secretary to laugh very heartily. <laughs> Mr. Bowser, having had his laugh out, took out a series of large bites, which finished his last hunk of bread and butter assisted himself to a second. I want you, Bolter, said Fagin, leaning over the table, to do a piece of work for me, my dear, that needs great care and caution. I say, rejoined Bolter, don't you go show me any danger or send me any more of your police offices. That don't suit me, that don't, so I tell you. There's not the slightest danger in it, not the very smallest, said the Jew. It's only to dodge a woman. An old woman, demanded Mr. Bolter. A young one, replied Fagin. Oh, I knew that pretty well, I know, said Bolter. Always oh, there ain't as cunning sneak when I was at school. What am I dodge for? Not to... Not to do anything but to tell where she goes, who she sees, if possible, what she says, to remember the street, if it is a street 
of us, if it is us, and to bring me back all the information that you can. Who you give me? asked Noah, sitting down his cup and looking at his employer eagerly in the face. You'll do it well, my pound, my dear. One pound, said Fagin, wishing to interest him in the scent as much as possible. And that's what I never gave yet for any job of work where there wasn't valuable consideration to be gained. Oh, is she? inquired Noah. One of us. Oh, Lord! cried Noah, curling up his nose. You don't fool well yet. She has found out some new friends, my dear, and I must know who they are, replied Fagin. Oh, I see, said Noah. You've had the pleasure of knowing them and their respectable people, eh? Ha! I'm your man. I knew you would be, cried Fagin elated by the success of his proposal. Of course, of course, replied her. Where is she? Where am I wait for her? Where am I to go? All that, my dear, you shall hear from me. We'll point her out the proper time, said Fagin. You keep ready and leave the rest to me. That night, and the next, and the next again, the spy sat booted and equipped in his carter's dress, Ready to turn out at a word from Fagin. Six nights passed, six long, weary nights, and on each Fagin came home with a disappointed face and briefly intimated it was not yet time. On the seventh he returned earlier, and with an exultation he could not conceal. It was Sunday. She goes abroad tonight, said Fagin, and on the right errand, I'm sure, for she has been alone all day. The man she's afraid of will not be back much before daybreak. Come with me, quick! Noah started up without saying a word, for the Jew was in a state of such intense excitement that it infected him. They left the house stealthily, and hurrying through a labyrinth of streets, arrived at length before a public house, which Noah recognised as the same in which he had slept on the night of his arrival in London. It was past eleven o'clock, and the door was closed. He opened softly on its hinges as Sagan laid a low whistle. Pee! They entered without noise, and the door was closed behind them. Scarcely venturing to whisper, but substituting dumb shows for words, Fagin and the young Jew who had admitted them, pointed out the pane of glass to Noah, and signed him to climb up and observe the person in the adjoining room. Is that a woman? he asked, scarcely above his breath. Fagin nodded yes. Can't see her face well, whispered Noah. She is looking down, and the candle is behind her. Stay there, whispered Fagin. He sat into Barney, withdrew, and instantly allowed her into the room adjoining, and under the pretense of snuffing the candle, moved it in the required position, and speaking to the girl, caused her to raise her face. Oh, I see her now, cried the spy. Would you know among a thousand? A hastily descended as the room door opened, and the girl came out. Fagin drew him behind a small petition which was curtained off, and they held their breasts as she passed within a few feet of their place of concealment, and emerged by the door at which they had entered. Ist! cried the ladder at the door. 
down. No, seeing the look at Fagin and darted out. To the left, whispered the hound. Take your left hand and keep out your side. He did so, and by the light of the lamps saw the girl's retreating figure. Already at some distance before him, he advanced as near as he considered prudent, and kept on the opposite side of the street, the better to observe her motions. She looked nervously round, twice or thrice, and once stopped to let two men who were following close behind her pass on. She seemed to gather courage as she advanced, and to walk with a steadier and firmer step. The spy preserved the same relative distance between them, and followed with his eye upon her. End of chapter 45 of Oliver Twist